0: While we started to say yes, I did make that decision to say no and then only concentrate on doing the events in the beginning because I wanted us to be the best out there and I wanted all our focus to create a next-level influence
1: our brand event experience. Hey, welcome to the Lady Brains podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for female founders and founders-to-be. If you're smart, savvy and ambitious... Then, Lady Brain, you are in the right place. Get ready for a dose of inspo, hard-hitting truths, and actionable insights. Strap in. In a world where brands are constantly vying for people's attention, how do you truly connect with those who make the crucial financial decisions in our homes? Christy Nicholas is the brains behind Mum Power, Australia's leading agency dedicated to understanding, engaging, and empowering the most influential household spender, mums. In 2009, while working for some big-name brands, Christy knew deep down that there was a better way to reach and communicate with mothers. This led her to quit her dream job to go all in on mom power, which now boasts a vast network of mom influencers, TikTok creators, product review panelists, and market researchers. This chat is so much more than just marketing and understanding your customer, although that is all in there. It's also about the harsh truth Christy had to face a decade into the business, the limiting beliefs that she has had to overcome, and the strategies that she turns to time and time again to ensure personal, business, and team success. So Christy, welcome to the Lady Brains podcast. It's so nice to have you here. It is fantastic to be here, Caitlin. Thank you. I guess your story is a little different in terms of we don't typically speak to mum brands, but we have a lot of women in our network that are mothers and have businesses. So oh my God, why not? Like, this is exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to learn more. I'm not a mother myself, but, you know, I'm a really great aunt. So, and I can appreciate that, you know, a lot of our customers are also mothers. So this is going to be a really, really great conversation. I would love for you to kind of take me back and tell me about where you got your start. Perhaps we'll journey into, you know, why mom power?
0: Sounds good. So, Caitlin, I started my marketing career largely in um, the nursery industry and then the and then the toy industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wasn't a mum at the time, but we, you know what we were doing is uh, creating and marketing products for kids. But mums were the the ones who were buying the product. And I remember at the time we used to hire agencies, as you do, to help you with. Uh, PR and other media activation and help get that message out to a wider audience of, of, um, of shoppers being the mums in this instance and I remember reading a lot of the comms that these agencies would prepare and they were awesome agencies they really knew their stuff but even looking at the press release I could feel that there was a disconnect between what they had um prepared and how it was going to resonate with the end, the um, actual buyer being the mums and I remember you know over over a period of time always thinking there is room in this marketplace for an agency that exclusively represents brands that sell to mums um, and the reason being like you know you look at all the stuff around you and um you know, so many things for for parents and and for kids and babies and and the home and the statistics show that it is mums that are doing the majority of of the buying decisions in in family households. And I thought, you know what, that's what the market needs.
1: You said that there was a disconnect between what they were saying and what you thought they should be saying. And and what what was that? What were they trying to communicate to mums and how did you um, feel you could do a better job?
0: The main, the main takeaway that I felt at the time was that the messaging was really coming across from, from the perspective of the brand and what's wonderful about the brand. And and that is great and important, but there, I felt like mums didn't care so much about that. At the end of the day, they want to know how it's going to help them in their role as a parent, um, responsible for their kids. And it has to be more honest and compelling. And I didn't feel like people could do that properly without fully understanding that shopper uh, inside out. And that's where the issue was because agencies didn't understand that customer inside out to the point of what is she eating for for breakfast? How does she buy? What does she want? What does she care about? What are her pain points? Without knowing that, there was that disconnect. So um, it was really about being super customer centric specifically for that niche customer.
1: So it was a bit, little bit surface level, like you didn't feel like they were diving deep enough into understanding the real intrinsic motivators of, I guess, you know, at the time, what would have been your customer? Were you experiencing that with the um, toy company and the and the companies that you were working for? Or did you just look at it and go, yeah, you're not really tapping into what I think is the right way to, to me- you know, to, to reach and message them?
0: It was. It was probably more narrow minded because I wasn't a parent looking at the whole landscape. Maybe a little bit naive. I was really looking at it in that one dimension, and I felt that um, if this is how it is for one industry. Perhaps that's that's a, a trend happening in other areas, but I didn't even get to that point. I really just identified that. I held on to it in, in my heart and my mind for a while until one day I pretty much just cracked and um and dramatically went ahead and did it. You make that sound so easy. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was it was something that was it was on my mind for a long time. It was you know I was stewing over. I wasn't doing anything about it, but um there were a couple two things did happen around that time. And um, one of them was, I remember reading an article about forward thinking regret. And um, it made you reflect on what would you regret in a couple of years time from now, not doing today. And um, what came to my mind when I read that instinctively was starting a business. So that was something that was a bit of a jarring thought. And then, um, you know, secondly, even though I had a, a brilliant job, fantastic company. I I couldn't ask for a better environment and career. I feel very fortunate because, you know, their entrepreneurial minds were next level. Um, At the same time, behind the scenes, I was trying to um, get pregnant and that was taking a bit longer. And any of your listeners who have been in that same boat where you want to get pregnant, that's kind of like all you can obsess over and you think about and you get triggered by different things. So uh, while well, I didn't have anything wrong with the job, I was triggered and I made a dramatic move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to light everything on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: much. Totally. And then, of course, the next day you regret it, but you know what? You've got to run with the show. <laughs> yeah. Isn't
1: that interesting? And I haven't looked back. Mm, I bet. And it's it's those moments of almost you were in a in a moment of, transition or a period of transition when that was trying to start a family. And then you're like, well, sometimes it is easier to compound really big decisions. You know, it's like, okay, well, if I'm already trying something drastic or, 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 you know, I'm in this moment of transition, I may as well also go and start a business or move cities. Or I know like I've done that, you know, as well, you kind of just throw it all together because then (laughs) you you can, all the yucky feelings, you can get it all over with at once and then move through it.
0: Absolutely, and um, sometimes it's great. It's exciting. It's, it's absolutely yeah. terrifying, but then you move on.
1: Yeah, otherwise we're, we're otherwise a sucker for pain. Um, so tell me about starting it. Like, what did you do? Because it was back in
0: two thousand and nine. So almost definitely over thirteen years now.
1: Wow, which is a decent uh, mm-hmm. time ago. And and I guess you know, what was the environment like then? Starting a business versus what it's like now and. Did you feel like were there were there barriers to kind of entry? Did you struggle to get it off the ground? I mean, you'd obviously been percolating and thinking about it, but what did you do?
0: Well, think back, we're talking about a good 13 years ago now. Um, there was no Instagram. Facebook was borderline on its infancy and um bloggers were the thing oh yeah, yes yes. so that that was the the buzzword came coming out of the U.S. at the time Mm. and you know by all accounts you knew that this was going to be the space where um the market was going to go to you had all these mummy bloggers in the U.S. happening and because I knew that that was a trend that was going to come through in Australia you know um anytime now Mm. I um I had this concept for an event uh called the bloggers brunch where we bring these mummy bloggers which were all the buzzword to uh, an event and have companies including lots of toy companies similar to the one that i had worked for to come and meet with them in a real life environment and that is how we started we we brought um the new world and, and old school uh into in, into today's age or back then and that is what definitely helped put us on the map as innovators as forward thinkers and um being able to bring to the market a a smart way for brands to connect with mums in person and online at scale in an easy way that they got. So it, it helps being able to understand the world that they were coming from. to to also understand the trends coming through and to be able to merge that for them in an easy way. That's what helped us. It was a mum's group on steroids. (laughs) Um, And you know what, Caitlin? That's exactly what it still is. Uh, Obviously, what's changed is that we have become a lot more sophisticated in terms of how we're bringing incredible relationships, brand relationships to the table for them and also the connections that we're helping to foster for the brands as
1: well. So you're running these and then kind of what happened next? Like how long were you running these for when you realized, okay, I need to start, you know, adding new services to the business? Like was that almost, was that enough for the business or where were you kind of, you know, as yeah, as you started to build? That was pretty fun to be able to do that
0: in the beginning because it was innovative. It was ahead of the curve um, and we were um, the first to do that in the Australian landscape Um, and we had opportunities immediately to diversify and do a lot more PR with companies and while we started but to say yes I did make that decision to say no and then only concentrate on doing the events um, in the beginning because I wanted us to be the best out there and I didn't want to um, be distracted and I wanted all our focus to create uh, next level event experience, influencer brand event experience. So I chose not to expand in the beginning on purpose. Uh, but then after a couple of years and, uh, you know, many, many brands involved across many events, I did, um, we did create, get more demand. They The brands came to ask and asked us to do more things for them, including market research, other influencer um, uh, events, reviews or so forth. So we did start, um expanding our services before COVID. And, you know, we did have a few uh, stronger emerging areas of the business, but then of course, um, a few things, two things happened. Um, and that was, I really did want us to uh, strengthen the other services in in the company. So not only to be focusing on events, but I did want us to explore and strengthen our market research capabilities, our product review capabilities, our influencer relationships without the events. So it was re- weirdly how everything works out sometimes for a reason so I had made the decision that we're going to pull back on events and we're going to invest in other areas of the business had the game plan had the strategy um and then COVID hit (laughs) so Uh,
1: the events industry industry. yeah it
0: was annihilated overnight but Mm -hmm. I felt so fortunate because moments before we had just put together to we just put the the plan to bed on how we're going to grow without um having as many events as what the business had previously been relying on so it was a beautiful blessing and we were forced to expand and strengthen and get really really good in other areas of the business and i'm 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 very happy that now we've got a fantastic portfolio of solutions that at the end of the day they all come together to fast track mums to buy from the brands that we represent.
1: So, Christy, just like us, I mean, we were a largely events-based business and pre-COVID, obviously, and we had started to stack new services and ideas and and ways for, you know, customers and and our community to play with us and, and, you know, buy from us. But yeah, it definitely wiped out a lot of the business overnight. I mean, it was quite, quite intense, right? I can imagine it was the same for you. Were you ready to kind of, get going? Like were you, you know, in 2019, say, were you just ready to fly and then you were kind of cut off? Or were you kind of anticipating a bit of a slower, a slower climb and so it didn't actually affect you as much?
0: Um probably a third option, Caitlin. So what was happening uh with the business beforehand is we we were growing and I was really grateful for how we were growing and the pace we were growing but something unusual was happening and that was I wasn't enjoying myself.
1: (laughs) That old chestnut. (laughs) And
0: I like to enjoy myself (laughs) with what I'm doing and I was really confused because I thought that the only way we could grow this business is Mm. if it was painful and, and and not that much fun but a lot of grinding and hard work and that didn't really align with me and my personal development and my
1: values who told you that who said those things to you
0: well i didn't know that this was a thing but i had a business coach at the time and you know they're there to support you and go help you with your growth. And that was all working. So I was ticking the boxes. We were growing, we were expanding the team, but it felt hard. And I remember having a chat with my business coach and saying, yeah, this is happening and we're growing here, but this feels like a lot of hard work. And he gave me a a massive reality check and he goes, Christy, he goes, you can do hard work And it won't feel like hard work if it's in alignment with what you really want and where you want to go. And I actually didn't know that that was an option that Oh, like I can actually enjoy myself. I could, it can be in alignment. And that was the first time that I had heard about the concept of aligning to your personal values. Um, mm-hmm. and that was, it was fantastic. It was, a, I still remember where I was when I had that phone call and that made me reflect, wow, maybe there's another way. So I had made that de- again. I made the decision to. Pull back on continuing the growth trajectory of the business until I could figure out if there might not have been uh, an option, if there was a way to grow in a way where I felt um, in alignment and it felt happy and fulfilling for me. So, I purposely slowed it down and then at the same time, like there was a lot of doubts as a business owner as well. Like, you, you know, you, you do doubt yourself and you do, and you're unsure, does that mean that you haven't got what it takes to, to grow and, and do well if you can't figure it out? So, there was a few things that um, I was working through <laughs> at that time. Uh, and then COVID changed the game for us in a big way.
1: Well, what was your measure of success? Like, why do you think that? you were experiencing a kind of self-esteem issues, self-doubt.
0: I probably had a little bit of a reality check where I realized for a couple of years, I was trying to tick these boxes and do these things and you will get these results. Mm-hmm. And while we were doing okay, there was something not quite right. We couldn't quite crack a different level, and it forced me to reflect on how we we're going about it. And I realized one big thing, a, a game-changing thing, and now it, it does dictate how I show up post-COVID. And that was I kept on trying to do what I needed to do. When I know this sounds really silly, but I realized I had to become who I needed to be, <laughs> who I, who, I, who I needed to be. Um, so it's one thing to do you know tick things off the list but if you're not feeling confident in yourself or if you're going through imposter syndrome or you're um, unsure of you using your voice and putting yourself out there that is going to hinder your results so even if you're doing the right thing that's going to be like the missing link and that was what I realized like that there was a, you know, a, a bit of messy gunk that I was dealing with before COVID that yes, you're, you're trying to sort of work out the best growth strategy. How does it align with your personal values? And what what in you as an individual is holding both yourself back and the business back? So those three things I, w- I had to stew through and work out.
1: Yeah, right. You're trying to achieve, I mean, you have to achieve commercial success, but as well as personal fulfillment. And you kind of went through that Experience and and I think you know I think many of us went through that especially around COVID it was almost a time for um, reflection you couldn't really run away from your thoughts and feelings <laughs> we had a lot of time to process you know where we were and what we were doing and who we were, who we were becoming so what did you change like if you look back to Christy back then when you're like okay yeah I'm I'm not enjoying the work that I'm doing like I have a relatively successful business I want it to grow but I also have to embody what I'm creating what from from if maybe you want to separate it as you said from a personal and a business perspective and let's start with personal what did you do in order to change it
0: I um, had to really sit in silence for a little while and admit to myself a few things. I had to admit what my limiting beliefs were and how they were holding me back. And I also had to admit to myself um, as a starting point what I truly wanted and what I would like to do and what I hope to do if I had no restrictions, no responsibilities, nothing holding me back. How would I like to grow this business? And um, what showed up was very different from the reality of what I was doing. And I thought, well, I – so that was the, that was probably the, the the first main thing to at least accept what it is, like awareness of yeah. what it is, where you are, um, what you have to work on and what you truly want for you and your business. So that was the first step. And then the second part was um, deciding that um, I'm going to do this, I'm worthy of doing this, and what do I need to do to do this <laughs> like you know how do i need to work on myself what skills do i need to to learn and there were a few things and they were personal and they were business so i did have to work on um you know my confidence and how i was going to show up and what I, what I believed in and and so forth. And, and also um, from the business sense, I got more training. I want to advance my skills in certain areas so that I did feel more confident. Mm,
1: And I was going to say, did it, was an external, uh, you know, did you surround yourself with people and did you take courses? Did you read? What were some of those mechanisms that helped you build your confidence in, from a personal and business perspective? All of the above. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I, I did, um, get I, get, I got professional help in different areas, yeah. um, that I felt like I needed. So yes, from the business education side, so that I invested in, I invested in, um, you know, personal branding session, which was fantastic because, that was lovely to learn some new tricks on how to make myself feel more comfortable, mm. especially when you do get up on stage or you are in the media or so forth, you want to feel good about yourself. So that was a, a great experience as well. I did go to networking events, mm. um, a lot of reading and listening to podcasts and so forth. I, I enjoy that. So I just, I'm all in with that stuff. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that. look, I think this, this story will resonate so deeply with um, a lot of people, right? It's realizing that you're playing small and realizing that you want more for yourself and your business and then choosing to face the facts, face the brutal facts, we often say, and then create a plan to be able to continue to grow. Um, and that takes a while. Like it doesn't happen overnight as, you know, I'm sure you know, you, you look back and, and can recall.
0: You know, when you're starting a business, you do have self-doubt. You don't know if you can do things because you probably haven't or, you ha- you know, you, you might have winged it for a little while but it it takes a bit of time so in the beginning for the first definitely for the first I had it for many many years but you do feel unsure are you fluking it do you really know what you're talking about so of course you're going to have self-doubt but what I felt happened was that so many years had gone past like we've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of corporate companies and um, I'm like what I realized I was doing is I was holding on to those feelings in the beginning and not reflecting on the fact that you've progressed and you actually have changed and you've improved and you've leveled up. And um, I feel like sometimes as business owners, we forget that things have changed. You're not the same person you were when you, you stepped up. And, um, you know, when I go through those instances of that self-doubt uh, or, uh, you know, imposter syndrome or lacking confidence I, I, or, uh you know, when you do feel overwhelmed or unsure, I always just have this bit of a a practice where I I say to myself, well, the truth is, and then I'll go through and I will, you know, write down what, what are the truths? What are the facts here? And the facts might be in the past three months, you have, you know, shifted the sales dial of three companies at this amount and X amount at that amount. And you have, and you start to reflect on what have you achieved, okay? And then it's like you have a little bit of a reality check. You know what? You do deserve to be here. You have been able to demonstrate um, a contribution to the industry or to others to help them with their goals. And then that makes you realize that you have progressed.
1: COVID was a little bit of an eye-opener for you. You you managed to kind of level up from a personal perspective, from a business perspective. What did you start to kind of add to uh, your repertoire and how does that kind of work now? And maybe with, through the lens of our listeners, they're obviously kind of tuning in and they've all got brands, they've got products, they've got businesses. What do you offer that perhaps they can start thinking about how they utilize this in their business, even if it's, you know, not a paid kind of thing, like how can they go away and start to think about some of these things for their business?
0: Yep. Great question, Caitlin. So, um, what I remember in the, in the heat of COVID where brands were uncertain. Nobody knew what was going to happen next. And I thought, goodness me, what do our customers need right now? What is absolutely critical to them that that is all they care about? And, um, you know, obviously what came to my mind was they need sales. <laughs> they need to know how to get as many sales as possible They don't want any of the fluff. They just want to get sales. So I made that decision, that very conscious decision that I'm not sh- totally sure just yet how, I mean, we have now, but back then I thought that's what we have to do. We have to figure out how can we, Help companies get more sales. (laughs) So that's because obviously we're doing events, but that's only one piece of the pie. Sure, sure. So how we went about that, and that's where where your listeners can listen as can learn from as well, is that we had a look at um, mum's buying journey. Like, how is she buying? and um, looking at where are all the touch points, where are the leveraging points along her buyer journey and what can we do with our solutions or how can we shape our solutions to move her along the sales journey with the brand faster so that the brand gets more sales, more relationships, greater market share, and it's all faster. So that's what we have been doing now for a number of years um, and what this is what, how your listeners can probably have a think about um, how they too can fast track their their sales with the mums that buy their products. But brands will typically come to us for three things. Number one, they might have lost connection with today's customers. Like they might have used to have um, strong sales with Gen X mums, but now Gen Y mums are coming through more. And perhaps their product isn't really hitting the nerve with the next generation of mums. So for those brands, we do market research. And the market research really does unpack why will mums buy their product versus their competitors and where are their opportunities moving forward and that's a game changer for companies because it really helps them make decisions with certainty and it helps them see where um, they can improve and get get, um, better sales you know it might be something like mums don't shop for this product from this type of retailer they're going for this product from a totally different retailer that this company might not have even thought about. So that's how that can help companies. The second reason why brands will come to us for is because they just can't get brand awareness at scale because, you know, online is very noisy. It is also very expensive. The customer is very overwhelmed. She's got a lot of distractions. They just can't be um, noticed that well. So, you know, we help those brands with things like our influencer marketing or um, user-generated content. And at least that way, we can maximize how many mums know about their product in the first place and move them to consider it more than what they would have if they didn't have that support. And then lastly, the reason why brands will come to us, and again, it ties into the whole buyer journey, is because they have really poor reviews or dated reviews or not enough reviews or their competitors' reviews are better. And uh, we're really living in review culture at the moment. Like mums will not buy a product without reading and watching a lot of reviews from other mums like her. for them you know for those companies we do a lot of um, rev up reviews but like that's absolutely critical because that peer-to-peer reviews and endorsement really gives that brand more social proof and trust so if there was any guidance that I'd be giving to your listeners who do sell to a mum shopper is a look at how mums are buying what is their buying journey for your product um, or category or so forth and have a look at those touch points you know how are you do you Do you know that journey? Do you know what that mum is going through, what her pain points are, like how? what role does your product play in her life? That's really important to know that because you can, you know, um, line up all your comms to talk to that and be more compelling and move her and solve her problems. And then I'd be looking at that whole buy journey of, you know, can you improve your brand awareness with her what will it take to move her into consideration phase like what is she looking for that would make a big difference to move her from awareness to consideration and then do a bit of a health check look at the look at the reviews that are being done at the moment and versus your competitors and even go onto google and type in your category Reviews and see what comes up because sometimes brands don't step out of their perspective to see it from in um, through the lens of mums, and unfortunately, that is critical. If you're not doing that, you're not seeing what your customers seeing and you're missing out on sales.
1: Right. So you're actually like, you know, keep an eye on the, on the competitors. You know, a lot of people like, okay, you know, put your blinkers on and, you know, you've got to have an, an awareness of the competitive landscape, but, you know, put your blinkers on and stick, you know, stick to your lane. But I guess, yeah, this is a highly competitive market. Um, and I also imagine, you know, you're talking about the, the buyer journey there. They are different for most products or is there, are there some really common, like common pain points at the different stage of the journey that you identify? Like, do you have a good case study perhaps that, you know, maybe you've been working with, I don't know, a brand that they've, they uncovered something that's just like, you know, unlocked success for their product?
0: Yeah, there's probably two things, two diff, very, very totally different
1: companies yeah. but just to give you
0: an idea yeah. um and I can talk about this publicly because they've talked about it publicly um one of the brands that we do research for is Medela they do mm-hmm. uh breast pumps top the best um uh breast pumps out there and when we did market research with them so you think breast pumps for mums who've had a baby and they want to breastfeed mm-hmm. and so you would Make the assumption that, um, your, the majority of your customers might be in the last stage of their pregnancy or maybe in the first couple of weeks of giving birth. But the research actually showed that there was a good proportion of mums who store research or or top brands and file that one for later before they're even pregnant so there was a whole gap to show that brand awareness and starting a journey with consumers started even before the mum was pregnant so that was something that was quite surprising and that was a game changer for the company because it shifted how they would market and build relationships with consumers that was one interesting yeah and yeah and then the next one was totally different field um one of the brands that we've done research for is spring free trampolines so um again globally recognized um authority in the trampoline space and for them as well like while um it is important to market during something like christmas where people are more likely to invest in high ticket mums it takes there's a bit of a runway they're not just going to go and buy so your runway might start of you know four five six months in advance, where consumers or actually two years in advance of considering and researching and thinking about what trampoline you're going to eventually buy for your backyard. So really interesting um, how something like research can make a difference to how you structure your dialogue. Like you can't. This is where the problem is, Caitlin. Like a lot of companies, they they want to. Um, they want some shortcuts and, and skip the steps of mum's buying journey, but you can't just go from awareness to to sale. You have to build up that um, trust. She needs to know, like, and trust you, and that's not going to happen overnight. That takes time and many touch points. So that's really important for
1: um, brands to know. How do you get your brands up there? Like, how do you become so well known that word of mouth is like the ultimate way to get sales?
0: Yeah, and and that is absolutely critical. You need an army of mums who genuinely love and endorse your product and it doesn't happen overnight because mums, they're they're not going to trust you straight away. They will watch you for a while. They will doubt you for a while. They will compare you for a while. You need to go through the hoops. Um, So it takes a little bit of time but there is a system with it and it really is about building um, that awareness, humanising the brand talking um to mums about what they genuinely care about know what she cares about in the first place so it, it is about if you want to be able to grow and build that momentum and be that brand that's on that list some basics are show up where she is recency and frequency um empower and inform other mums to do the heavy lifting for you so that they these other mums want to talk about you to others so be a a trusted authority that does deliver on promises or so forth um you, you know make sure that your your language is compelling uh surprise and delight and i believe one of the main things that is separating some brands from the winning the brands is you've got to remember for every brand like yours, you've got a lot of competitors and everybody is doing a product as good as yours. The quality is much of a muchness, right? Like in terms of the choices that mums have to, to can can um, choose from. So, what are you going to do that's going to step up and be the brand that A is remembered, bought, And referred. And to do that, you do have to zig where
1: others zag. Yes, the old be the purple cow, zig where you people zag. I love that. Yeah, great. Some tips to get on the list but it's like,
0: it's not, a it, you got to do, you got to be in it for the long run. Like if you yeah. think that you're going to win for the short game, you can, like for, for you can get the first sale, but most brands can get the first. That's the easy part. How are you going to get the second sale? And, and what are you going to do to keep showing up year after year?
1: I want to leave our um, listeners with some strategies for success. I know that, you know, like I want to leave everyone in, in a good place and you've already given us so many great tips, but, um, what would you say are your kind of go-to strategies that, you know, now you've just realized, yeah, the business success relies on me tapping into this and and being really consistent with these things?
0: If I think about all the many lessons and what are my go-to strategies that will work for any economic period, for any brand um, at any time, it does go down to three things. Number one, be customer-centric. Listen to your customer and probably now more than ever because she is shifting again. So um, definitely listen to what they're saying and what they're not saying and adapt accordingly. The second strategy is reverse engineer what success looks like for you. So if you want to get certain sales, you want Christmas to do, you know, achieve certain results reverse engineer that, like what are the steps in the lead up to that? And is it good enough? Um, and can you elevate it? So that's definitely something that we always look at doing reverse engineer. Um, and then lastly, can't go wrong with training and development. Um, we don't all know everything and things change. And it's so empowering both for yourself and also for your team to continuously be learning, um, being inspired, challenging to get out of um, the usual
1: way of approaching things and um, everybody walks away a winner. Love those. You said something there about the customer. She's changing. She's evolving. Can you kind of shed a little, little light on that before we kind of wrap up? Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously
0: we are in um, weird economic times and household um, budgets and interest rates are through the roof. So she's being really picky about how she spends and what she buys or so forth. And she's scrutinizing brands even more carefully than ever. So two things that you've got to do is number one, like pay attention to what she cares about right now. What are her current pain points and talk to that problem? because problem's a little bit different at the moment and she's sensitive to different issues. So, that's something that you've got to be aware of. And then number two, because things are a little bit tighter, you can't afford to, to, um, get things wrong. Like really have a look at how mums are going in your buying journey and fix things up. Like if it's broken, if it, if it's missing, if something isn't quite right, you really have to fix it because, um, if sales are tighter, um, that is only going to make things worse for you and
1: it'll take a little bit too long to recover. Oh, so good! Great, three great strategies. So, customer centric. Focus on your customer. Understand them intimately. Reverse engineer your success. So, think about what the end goal is, and work your way backwards to ensure that you are taking the right steps. And the third one was training and development. So, which is such a great way. As yet. Yeah, I mean, we're you know everyone should be lifelong learners, but it is also a really great way to reward um and recognize your team and continue to implement new ideas into whatever it is that you're growing. Christy, thank you so much for joining us on the Lady Brains podcast. I really appreciate all the insights that you've shared and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you,
0: Caitlin. And thank you so much for your commitment to helping us as business women thrive and um, really help us achieve great things. It's it's a great opportunity to be able to chat to your listeners. Thank you.
1: Thank you.